Welcome to Lakeside Church's Message Podcast. Our prayer is that you fall in love with Jesus, find a church family, live in freedom, and be active in your purpose. Let's join the message already in progress. Well, good morning, everyone. Welcome to Lakeside Church. My name is Chris. We're so happy you could be here visiting with us today. We are in week five of our series on the book of Ephesians. Here we at Lakeside, we love the Bible. We think it's important that every believer knows the Bible, that everyone knows the Bible. And Ephesians just happens to be one of my favorite books, so we're kind of going through it chapter by chapter, verse by verse. We don't do this a lot, but we're getting a lot out of it. So before we begin, it's good to know kind of the background out of the book. So out of the book, so if you are just joining in with us, we're just going to try to catch you up a little bit, and then we're going to move right into the new verses. First of all, Ephesians was written um, to the uh, city of Ephesus by a man named Paul who had started a church there. Now, Ephesus was like the third most powerful city in Rome. It was very, very, very rich and wealthy. It was the center of pagan religious life. There was a huge temple there built on fertility. Um, It was the market capital of Roman Asia. Sometimes they would store their money in the temples. So it it was a very wealthy place. It had a large and mixed population. Population, probably about 250,000 people were there. Paul comes to this city where there's a very small group of believers. It says only 12. And he spends a few years with them and he teaches them and he and, and he teaches them about Jesus Christ and they get baptized and they get filled with the Spirit. And within two years, it says the whole city was turned upside down. So much so that the city began to riot because they didn't like these Christians. They wanted these Christians out of their city. They were changing everything. The city was built around this temple and people made a lot of money off of this temple and they sold like little miniature idols and shrines and things that the travelers who came from all over the area would come to the city and and buy these wares and and now people weren't wanting to buy them anymore because they said, what do we need this temple made, this idol made out of hands um, when we can know the real and living God because the Christians were just were just doing such a great work there. And then there's a lot of themes that Paul gets into in his letter. So he gets sent out of the city. In fact, it says like two, about 24, 25,000 people rioted, dragged the Christians um, before in the amphitheater. It was a very large amphitheater at that time. And, they, and Paul has to leave the city and so then he writes them a letter and some of the things in the letter that we've already covered is one of the big things is is being in Christ. Paul wanted to to teach the believers and to remind the believers that yes they're in this city of Ephesus but they're also in Christ. It doesn't matter their physical location as much as their spiritual location like they are in Christ and they need to remember that and hold on to that and rejoice in that because that 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 is where they find their strength and that is where they find their joy. Um, the letter, um, it said it was written to the saints and the faithful in Christ. So it's it really written to us too because saints just mean those who are set apart. These people lived in a pagan city, but yet they were set apart, called to be special and faithful. Or in other words, they had faith in Christ. So if you have faith in Christ, like this letter is written to you too. And this whole idea of being in Christ, it's important for us. 
too. And then after he talked about that a little bit later on, we read about them being sealed with the Holy Spirit and having their eyes open with the spirit of wisdom and revelation to, to see all the glories that were given to them in Christ and the power of the Spirit. And, and, it, and it was a pagan center of worship and, and they needed to have that encounter with the Holy Spirit and then he um, talked about how how the, the the power of the Spirit, how it brings us from death to life. It's like we were all once dead in our sins and in our transgressions. We, we've all made mistakes. We've lived lives that have been full of sin and full of mistakes. But, but God's Spirit, it seals us. And if you think of like sealing wood and protecting it, but it also brings us to life. It energizes us. And so now that's kind of catching you up to where we've been. And so now we're going to go today into some new verses, and I would kind of title these like unity of person and unity of purpose, because we're going to talk a lot about unity today. In Ephesians chapter um, 4, verses 4 through 7, and you can turn there and it's on the screen, Paul says, There is one body and one spirit, just as you were called, to one hope that belongs to your call, one Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God, the Father of all, who is over all, through all, and in all. See, look how many times the word one is mentioned there. One body, one spirit, one hope, one faith, one baptism. God is all about unity. And I can't fully, fully comprehend it, but I can say God has always existed in unity. A triune God who has been constantly and forever, eternally existing in unity. And the point I like to make is, is, is our unity reflects the unity of God. Because what better way to, to glorify, for God to glorify himself than to bring a bunch of people like us together? I look around this room and there's different shapes and there's different sizes and there's different ages, ages, ages excuse me. And we come from different countries, some of us, and some of us speak different languages. And, and we have had different pasts, different experiences, and, and we're all so unique and, and none of us are the same. Heck, even the ones of us that are married, like we're different. I love my wife. We've been married almost 20 years, but but we're very different. But the fact that God could bring so many people together that are so different and yet see them unified as one body, that brings glory to God. And really, that's what the church is all about. The word church is just the word for assembly, and it's the assembly of the believers, those people that come together in Christ as one. In other words, from out of many becomes one. And so that's 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 so important is that our unity reflects the unity of God. And then and then there's some things that he talked about in there. It's like one spirit. There is only one Holy Spirit. Like you have to make room in your life for the Holy Spirit. And the thing about the Holy Spirit is the Holy Spirit is going to change you. But 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 it's still you. You're still going to be Chris or Bob or Bill. You're still going to be you. But by one spirit within us, 
we begin to have that unity. And some people say, well, I don't want any of that Holy Spirit. That makes you weird. The Holy Spirit makes no one weird. If you're weird, you're weird. If you're serious, you're serious. You're going to be serious with the Spirit. You're going to be serious without the Spirit. Weird with or weird without. The Holy Spirit just brings the work of God into your heart as he seals you and as he cleanses you. And then it says one hope. Man, we all have to have one hope. I've, 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 I've gotten so many calls and text messages and asking to pray for this and that. And, and it's all been centered around physical healing and people who are sick or in the hospital and issues with hearts or issues with cancer. And, and, and we know that this world is dying. But our hope is, is that the one Lord, Jesus Christ, will redeem all things. And one day, everything will work out. We all share that hope. And one faith. What I love about our church is there's some people that, that believe a little bit differently on some of the things that aren't, aren't majors. There's some minor things that we have some differences on. But that's okay. But on the major things, the one Lord, the one baptism, the one faith, the one spirit, the one living son of God who died for our sins, we are in complete agreement on that. And I'm just going to be completely honest. There's probably none of us here that are all, that are all right. There's nobody in this room that has it all figured out. Now, some of us might have a little bit more figured out than others, but I guarantee you when we stand before the throne of God, there's going to be things that we thought we were right about, but we were wrong. But we try to major on the majors and not let the minors get, get in the way. And then it talks about one baptism. One, one baptism is that everyone, even Jesus himself, was baptism. And that is the symbolic of, of going under the water and dying to your own life and being raised again and coming coming alive to your new life, the new life of Christ. And that is our hope. Our faith is in that, is, is in that Christ makes all things new. Our hope is in that. And the Spirit is the agent that makes all things new because it was the Spirit that raised Jesus from the dead. And that same Spirit lives in us. Let's keep going. In verse 7 of chapter 4, it said, and this is Paul speaking, he says, But grace was given to each one of us according to the measure of Christ's gift. Therefore, it says, when he ascended on high, he led a host of captives and he gave gifts to men. Here's one thing that I want you to know. Each of us has a gift for all of us. See, God has given each of us a gift. You have a gift. You have a gift. You have a gift. Every single person in here has a gift. And this church or any church, if this is not your home church, but it will not be the church that God intended it to be until each person is the gift that God intended them to be. Because you know what? I can only do what I can do, but I can't do everything. But there are people in this room that are gifted in ways that I'm not, and I need you to be the gift that God has created you to be. And the rest of us need you to be that too. Each of us has a gift, and we need to operate in that gift. Or you know what? We all suffer because there's things that God created beforehand for you to walk in that only you can walk in them. I can't 
can't walk in them. It can't just be me. It's, 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 it, we've turned this thing around and we've tried to, to build church around one person and that's not what God intended. Church is an assembly. It's a group of people from diverse backgrounds coming together unified as one body, each, giving a, each given a gift and that gift is for the profit of all. And so write that in your note. Each of us has a gift that is a gift for all of us. And we move on to verse 11. And it says, And he gave the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the shepherds and teachers. And look at verse 12. It says, To equip the saints for the work of the ministry, for the building up of the body of Christ, until we all attain to the unity of the faith and the knowledge of the Son of God, to mature manhood, to the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ. See, those gifts, they are people given to the church. Do you know that some of you guys that are here today, God has called you to be in this church? And if you're looking for a church, I pray you find the right church for you. If it's not Lakeside, I completely understand. But God has somewhere for you to be that you would not only receive, but that you would give out out of the gift that God has made you. And I want you to pay special attention to verse 12. Let's read that again. He talks about apostles, prophets, evangelists, shepherds, and teachers. But look at verse 12. It says, to equip the saints. We talked about this earlier. We talked about this a few minutes ago. The saints, that's all of us. Those people that have been set apart, the faithful in Christ, for the work of of the ministry. The people that are given to the church, they don't do the work, they equip the saints to do the work. See, we have we have completely missed the boat on what God God intended. We want to pay a pastor or maybe a couple of pastors and, and, and we want them to do all the ministry and then everybody else just receives. Everybody else is basically a bench warmer and that was never God's design and we wonder why the church isn't being as effective as the church could be because we've turned it upside down. The gifts that God gives and then those gifts that we listed earlier the apostles, prophets, pastors, shepherds, and teachers, um, those gifts, they're to equip the saints, to, to give them the tools that they need, to give them the strength that they need so that they do the work. Here's the thing, and then let's just be very honest, like if you are counting on me to be able to effectively minister even just to the people in this room, I can't do it. I have a full-time job. I'm a chief. I'm the chief volunteer here. I work just like the rest of you. I do this because I love it. I have five kids to take care of. I love you to death and to death, and I will go above and beyond to serve you to the best of my ability. But let's look at this in a realistic fashion. There is no way I can meet every single one of your needs. But yet if I we can equip each other. And if everyone is equipped and they know how to pray and they know how to care and they know how to love and they know how to point people into the word to find strength and encouragement, then there will be more ministry done and it will be done more effectively than if we try to rest it on just one person. 
the, 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 the gifts were given, these people were given to equip the saints. Because here's, here's it, 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 we think the pastor has, has some kind of special relationship with God. And, and the beauty of, of the Lord is that there is no special relationship with God. We are all one at the cross. I am a sinner saved by grace. The only reason God hears my prayers is because of the blood of Jesus Christ covers my sins. And I have no problem sitting there and praying and faith for you to be healed, for your marriage to be restored, or or for your, for your wayward children to come back home. But I want to tell you that same power is available to each of you in Jesus Christ. And if you have a neighbor that's in trouble, you can pray with as much authority as I can because there is nothing special about Chris, but there is everything special about Christ. And that's what we're trying to do is to equip the saints so that you can go and you can do the work of the ministry and that way it doesn't fall on just one person but it falls on all of us and we can do more together than we can trying to rely on just one person or a small group of people but we did list a couple different um gifts in there or or, or um, things in there and so I want to talk about them because we don't talk about them in church a lot apostle apostle that just means um people that are sent by Jesus all right I'm trying to, to make it as simple it means a sent one sent by Jesus now you can say well hey well that's not for today but let me just give you a little example from my own personal life when when I was backslidden and far away from the Lord and it was very hard to get me to church one time my mom was successful to drag me to church and we walked in this church and there was six or seven hundred people inside of this church and he's the guy is preaching he's going along he's sharing his message I really wasn't paying attention and he stopped in the middle of his message and he said God told me there's a backslider here and God wants him to come home and I knew in my heart it was me but I'm gonna tell you something I didn't volunteer that information and the man just stopped the whole message stopped. He just walked around. He said, no, for real, God's serious. I, I'm sent here and there's a backslider and God wants to call that person home today and call them in. And I didn't move. I, I didn't move. And finally, out of 600 people, he walks up and he called me out. And I was amazed. I had no idea how he knew it was me. But you know what? I'm critical and I'm cynical. So you know what? I'm sure there was a lot of backslidden people there, right? A lot of backslidden people. So maybe he just got a lucky guess. But let's just take the story a step further. It was that same man a few years later. He, was, he came back around the church and he was doing a teaching on forgiveness. And he just basically very simple teaching and said, hey, you need to forgive people. Christ forgave you. You should forgive people. That was the gist of the message. At the end of the message, he said, if anybody in here is battling with unforgiveness, I would like for you to come up and I just want to say a prayer with you. I walked up to the front. Um, the man just grabbed my hand and this is all that he said. He said, Father, help him. He said, Father, restore his relationship with his father. And he kept on walking. I didn't tell him why I was up there. I didn't tell him any of that. I went home. This was before cell phones and things like that. I checked in with my dad. And if you all know my dad, he's sitting in the back back there. He's a tough guy. He's not somebody who cries very much at all. I haven't seen him cry very many times in my life. But when I walked into the house, I said, hey, dad, I'm home. And God did something that I can't explain. We both just started crying. 
I told him I was sorry for all the things that I've done and, and how, you know, I was a bad kid and I, I did things that disrespected him. And he apologized for things that, that he had done. And we sat there and we hugged and we cried. And, and I could say from that day forward, um, my dad and I, um, I mean, he's like my best friend. He's, he, I, I talk to him every day on the phone. I mean, I love him. And so let's just be cynical. The first one, the backslidden thing, well, that, that could have been anybody. And come on, who doesn't have problems with their father? Lots of people have problems with their father. So maybe he just got two lucky guesses. But this is how I know, and this is why I believe he was sent from God. A few years later, we moved to Virginia, and my wife and I were having a very, very difficult time, no longer in Miami. In fact, our marriage was on the rocks. We were very close to divorce. Things were just, things were just really bad. It was the worst time in our marriage that I've ever had. And we were going in Virginia. We were getting on an airplane to fly out to Pennsylvania um, to go to a conference. And as we show up at the airport, guess who we see in the airport? That same man. That same man who called me out of the crowd, the same man who prayed for me to heal the relationship with my father. And I thought, well, hey, that's pretty cool. That's amazing. He's in the airport. And then when we got to the plane and when we sat down, guess who was sitting next to us? That same man. God had sent that man into my life for a purpose. Every time he prayed for me, every time he spoke something to me, my life changed. And so when we say apostles, it's just sometimes God sends people into your life for a reason. And you need to recognize that and you need to be grateful for that. And some of you, God may use you in that same way. Prophets. Prophets are people who hear Jesus clearly. All right. Um, let's just be honest. Some people think they hear Jesus all the time. They don't. But there are some people that when they speak, I listen because I don't think that they it's not scripture. We're not putting it on the same level as as the written word of God. But they just seem to have a sensitivity to the voice of God. And we need those people in our churches. We need those people in our lives. They're people that we can go and say, can you pray about this? And, 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 and that, that's what a prophet or a prophet is or a prophetic person is. An evangelist. Evangelists are people who share the gospel of Jesus. There are some people that are great at getting people saved. They'll get the waitress saved, the person next to them at the airplane saved, somebody in them at work saved. They're just always talking about Jesus like my mom. She just loves to talk about Jesus and share the gospel and talk about how good God is and that he saved her and will work that Christ did on the cross. That is their gifting. And there are some of you in here that are gifted to be evangelists. Pastors. Pastors who are, are people who take care of Jesus' people. They're the people that when, when somebody has a problem, man, they feel it. They have empathy. They sit there. They weep with those who weep. They rejoice with those who rejoice. They, 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 get, they get kept up at night. They, they shepherd and they care for God's people. They look out for them. And, and, and it's a gifting. It's, it's, it's not a prophetic or an evangelistic thing. It's, it's just a care thing. Some people just care in a different way than others others care. And then teachers. Teachers are people who teach about Jesus. And we can be very true. There are some people that teach and they can make the most complicated things incredibly easy.
And there are some people that can make the most simple things incredibly complicated because there are gifts of teaching. And then, and if you're a teacher in the house, we need you to teach and we need you to use that gift and, and to teach people about Jesus and his word. And, um, and I just want to point one thing out, the grammar in there, when it lists at the end of that, apostles, uh, uh, a prophets, evangelists, and pastors and teachers. In my opinion, I think that pastors and teachers is probably a joint gifting because those people that really care about others and really want to help them, they're also usually really good about teaching about him. I think that it's it's very often a joint gifting, a gifting that works together. But but let's 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 keep moving in here, and I hope you're getting something. Um, and then why do they do this? It says, verse 14, it says, so that we may no longer be children tossed to and fro by the waves, carried about by every wind of doctrine. That just means teaching by human cunning and by craftiness and deceitful schemes. Believers must avoid false teachings. There are false teachings out there. There are things that come through the church. They come through in books and podcasts and YouTube videos and and other preachers. And we have to be on guard. But when the church is equipped... They can recognize when the teachers are doing their job and when the pastors are doing their job and when the evangelist and everybody is is doing what God has called them to do, um, we can pick it out. But here's the thing. False teachings have always come. Paul wrote that because there was even false teaching back then. If Paul had to fight false teachings, don't be surprised that we're going to have to fight false teachings. And we have to be on guard because not everyone who claims to speak for Christ is really doing it. And it's cunning. It's cunning. It's probably 98% truth with 2% hell right right there in the middle. And we got to be very careful, very careful not to um, not to be deceived. Um, verse 15, and I love this, it says, Rather, speaking the truth in love, we are to grow up in every way into him who is the head, into Christ. We're the body of Christ, but Christ is the head of the body. Verse 16, from whom the whole body joined and held together by every joint with which it is equipped, when each part is working properly, makes the body grow so that it builds itself up in love. I read the Bible to my girls and I read them these verses and I want to just tell you something. My little girls taught me something that blew my mind. Do you see what that says right there? It says, when, the, when every joint is equipped and each, each part is working properly, the body, it makes the body grow and it builds itself up. The body builds itself up. See, I'm not to build this church. Jesus said, I will build my church. And how does he do it? He builds it through his body, through his gifts, through you guys, the gifts that he's, he's made you. And when, when the connections are strong, because it talks about the joints, right? What do joints do? Joints, they hold your, one part of your arm to the other part of your arm, your leg on um, and your hip. And, and they keep you moving. They keep you moving and they keep you active. And, and when the connections are strong, the body grows. And 
And that's one of the biggest things that a lot of churches struggle with because we don't know how to keep those connections strong. We don't know how to stay together because you know what? There's going to be a time that Robert, right here, Robert, Robert's going to need to hear some hard truth. And see, as I'm holding his hand, if our connection is strong and I can share hard truth with Robert because he knows that I love him, then that man will grow. And in the same vein, there's going to be a time that I need to hear hard truth and I need to have strong connections with others that when they share hard truth with me, that I don't pull away and I don't resist. But when the connections are strong, the body grows. This body will grow when we learn how to have relationships with each other and allow each other to operate and to be the gifts that God has made us to be. And it goes on and um, it talks about a few um, other things. And, and, and these, these four things that I'm about to talk about come from the other parts of the letter that we've already said. But truth, the body um, the, it says the body grow, builds itself up in love and truth, truth, um, not being carried away by false teachings, gentleness and humility. I think those are like keys to those connections is that we have to be able to speak truth and we have to be able to receive truth. We have to be able to give love and we have to be able to receive love. And we all have to remember that it's gentleness and humility that is the key. And here's how humility works. Because I might think Adam over there has something that he needs to hear, that I need to share some truth with Adam. But a humble person, if, if I'm being humble, I'm going to say, wait a second, is this something Adam really needs to hear? Or is it maybe something that's wrong with me? That's what humility will do. Humility won't necessarily think that I'm right every time. And every time I think somebody needs to hear something, that I need to share it, I'll check myself first. And then I will gently go over and share and say, hey, this is what I'm seeing and this is this is what I'm thinking. And, then, and I might be wrong because I'm humble. And I... But, but this is what it is. And a humility on his part, then he'll have ears to hear and he'll listen to what's said and, and it may be exactly what he needs to hear. Um, because God wants to reach this world and he's going to do it through his church. And the church will build itself up when the body has strong joints and the connections are strong. And that's why we titled this message, Unity of Person and Unity of Purpose. Um, and so I, I would like to end with a prayer. Father God, I thank you for the privilege of speaking your word. Lord, I'm a nobody, and I just thank you that you've allowed me to do that, do this. I pray that everyone under the sound of my voice would operate in the fullness of their gifting and the purpose that you've created for them. And God, that they would be the people you've called them to be. God, and I pray that shame and guilt and inadequacy and lack of confidence and all those things that keep us from, from being the people you've called us to be, I pray that your truth would take care of them. And I pray that the mercy of God would be fresh and would be strong. And I pray that somebody, somebody needs a fresh start. I pray somebody needs a fresh start. Maybe they've served you in the past. They've operated at, as a gift to the body in the past. And I just hope that they would know that they have not been cast aside, that you still have room for them in your body. And I thank you, Lord, for the privilege of doing this. And I thank you, God, for the cross of Christ by which we're saved. In Jesus' name, amen.
Hey guys, I'm Bob. <laughs> <laughs>